If you would turn to Mark 13, 32 through 37. Come to the close of the Olivet Discourse this morning. Listen carefully to the holy word of God, the word of Christ. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. In what I say to you, I say to all, Stay awake. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we have a command here before us that we must be awake, we must be aware and be not led astray in terms of false teachings in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must be awake in terms of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the day in which he would arrive. For the day is the day of salvation, and we live in the constant remembrance between the death, resurrection, and ascension in his second coming that we do not know the day when he will return, but, O oh Lord, help us to be steadfast in our faith and help us to be ready. In Christ's name, amen. As we have noticed, the whole 13th chapter of Mark's gospel has been Christ's response to the question of his four disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, about when the stones of the temple will be thrown down on top of each other. Verse 2 and verse 4 of the 13th chapter. These disciples are very curious as to when these things are going to happen. Verse 4. From verse 5 to the end of the chapter, Christ alone speaks. And he never gives the exact day or time when these things are going to take place. In fact, concerning the day and time is discussion on that point to a, to a, comes to a point in verse 32, <clears throat> which we focused upon last week. On this particular point, we noted that Christ knew the day when these things would take place but he decided to keep to his theme of secrecy on this occasion by responding to them only with his human nature as the Son of Man 
so that the day of these things will only be revealed to humanity when the event actually occurs. The Son of Man is telling these disciples that the day and the hour is in the hands of his Father, verse 32, and it is in his providential hand and his sovereign will. You, the disciples, are finite creatures, whereas the Father in heaven is in control of all the events in history. Although the history of the controversy surrounding Christ's identity and person demanded that we spend a whole message on verse 32, we need to see the broader message that Christ is addressing here in verses 32 through 37. That is the day and the hour when all these things will take place, verses 30 through 31. What is the role of the disciples who will turn apostles in response to the prophetic words of Christ? What is the role of the church? What is the message of the apostles to the church? What is the message coming to each of us this morning from the Son of Man? As you look back at verses 4 and 5 of chapter 13, at the beginning of Christ's Olivet Discourse, you will notice that Christ does not answer the four disciples' question about what will be the sign when the stones of the buildings, the temple and Jerusalem, will be thrown down on top of one another. Rather, Christ's concern is this, if you look closely at the beginning of this discourse. See that no one leads you astray. In other words, you are hearing the real concern that Christ has for the disciples as his church is about to burst wide open upon humanity by the power of the Holy Spirit in global proportions. If you carefully review and examine verses 5 through 23, it should be clear that Christ outlines in broad strokes the continual circumstances of history. There's going to be wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be famines. And like all of history, the people of God will be a suffering people. Persecution will always be at the door. And yes, God's judgment will be seen upon the earth. The tribulation is coming. However, as Christ's prophetic word is before us about these things, what is Christ's deep concern? Think of it this way. The body they may kill, but they can never take your soul. His strong exhortation and encouragement are that the disciples and the church will not be led astray by false Christ and false prophets. Verse 6, verse 7, he keeps repeating. Verse 21, verse 22, it's much on his mind. 
He tells them to be on guard concerning the persecution and deceivers attempting to lead them astray. Verse 9, verse 23. Christ's declaration and promise appears in verse 13. The one who endures to the end will be saved. We live in a fallen creation. Its providential history is already recorded in the mind of God. And presently Christ points out that the disciples are at the beginning of the birth pains of the final era of history, verse 8. Christians in the church need to be ready. Need to be ready. For what? Religious temptation. To repeat, false Christs and prophets. Secondly, religious persecution and suffering. And thirdly, God's judgment upon blasphemous worship, the blasphemous worship of Israel and the events surrounding the second coming of Christ. So this very important theme in the Olivet Discourse from our Savior is the focus of the closing verses of his discourse Verses 32 through 37, which we read this morning. The continuation of Christ's concern is clear. Verse 33, be on guard. <laughs> be awake. And the last exhortation in the discourse that he leaves for his disciples. Verse 37, stay awake. Between verses 33 and 37, Christ is accenting being on guard, keep awake, because as finite beings, the disciples do not know when the time will come. Christ uses a parable here to prophetically stress that the disciples and the church must be on guard and awake. I ask you this morning, it's a question that we face even here this morning as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we on guard? Are we as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ awake? Do not forget where we are in the text. Going back to verses 30 and 31. We notice that Christ said that the generation of the present disciples and the children of Israel will not die without witnessing the destruction, the tribulation of the sacrilegious activity within the Jewish temple, verse 30. Then in verse 31, Christ expands his discussion to the passing away of heaven and earth. Now the phrase day and that hour, verse 32, can apply to God's judgment upon the temple and Jerusalem, verses 5 through 30, but it also includes more immediate reference to the second coming of Christ when heaven and earth will pass away, verse 31. For both occurrences, 
Christ addresses the officers of his church and the body of his church to be on guard, to be awake. Every person who truly confesses Jesus Christ with their lips and believes in Christ in their heart must never, never be off duty. They must always be alert and ready for the coming of God's judgment and blessing. As Christ passionately presents his parable here in verses 33 through 36, he is clearly addressing the governance. Please note that. The governance over the body of Christ after his ascension up to the time of his second coming. This is the era in which we here this morning presently live. So Christ is presently presenting a parable that is directly applies to our church, to us here this morning, to our lives. The parable speaks of a man, the man is represented obviously as Christ himself going on a journey who has not given any indication about the day and the time when he is going to return. Notice that this point is emphasized three times, two times prior to the parable. Verse 32, that day or that hour no one knows. Verse 33, for you do not know when the time will come. And one time he references this within the parable itself. Look at verse 35, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. Although the parable does not give any indication about the day and the time when the man and the master is going to return, Make no mistake, the parable clearly implies in states that he is going to return. There is absolutely no question that he is going to return to the house. So let us pause here once again and make sure we are listening to our Lord. Let us underline that as we accented in previous messages, the point that seems to preoccupy many evangelical and fundamentalist Christians, that is trying to line up certain circumstances occurring in the world to claim that the second coming is about to happen very, very soon on our calendar. I plead with you not to get caught up in such speculations. Christ has avoided such speculations throughout the Olivet Discourse, and he is accenting it once again in our text this morning, here in verses 32 through 37. Please participate Participate in Christ's words here in your own life. Receive his 
exhortation to repeat Christ's concern is that the true believer in the good news has a heart that is never, that is never off duty. Off duty. A true disciple, a true follower of Jesus Christ that certain individual is always alert and ready for the coming of God's judgment and blessing. As one commentator puts it, Christ's parable is calling not for a calculation of dates or careful observation of signs, but for constant readiness. Constant readiness on the part of the church. In fact, Christ incorporates the fourfold elements of the Roman watch. Yes, he incorporates the fourfold elements of the Roman framework for the watch during the night. You may ask, why would Christ incorporate the Roman watch elements? Christ is tapping into when the good news between Christ's ascension and his second coming will be extended to the Gentile world and not just the Jewish world. So what is the fourfold watch cycle within the Roman world? Look at verse 35. It's right before you. The man, the master of the house, could return or come in the evening. In the Roman watch, when is the evening? It is 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Midnight. What is midnight in the Roman watch? 9 p.m. to midnight. When the rooster crows, what is that in the Roman watch? Midnight to 3 a.m. And in the morning, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Christ projects here that the man, the master, Christ, could return, come, in what is considered the night hours of the four watches. Christ is electing to present the parable within the context of the Roman watch, which is quite interesting. Why? Because the people in this time of history and in this area of the world tend to avoid traveling at night. Christ is accenting that the church must be on alert while they wait for his return. After all, the nighttime is the most difficult time to be on watch. Obviously, they didn't have electricity, which could provide at least floodlights <laughs> to see anybody coming in the night and in the dark. Because of the lack of travelers at night, it is also quite possible that there would not be much action at night. Hence, it is quite conceivable that the night watchers could fall 
asleep and miss a vicious intruder or perhaps an important person arriving at the house. Hopefully, hopefully, you are grasping in your religious heart. Therefore, the deliberate construct of the parable by Christ to emphasize the readiness of being on guard, to keep awake. There is no sleeping on the job. There is no sleeping on the job on the task of being a follower of Jesus Christ in his kingdom, there is no sleeping on the job. As one who is living the life of being a disciple of Christ, you are putting into action the life of self-denial, taking up your cross in service to Christ in the church for the sake of seeing the gospel established in the hearts of Christ's children and calling the lost to Christ. As we stated earlier, Christ is providing a picture of the life of his true church in the period from his ascension until his second coming. How is the church being on guard and staying awake in this period of time? The time between Christ's ascension and his second coming. How are we staying awake? Well, upon Christ's ascension, Christ Look at the parable. Places his servants in place. Who are his appointed servants? Who are his appointed servants? At the beginning of the church, it is the apostles who will blossom out and establish various churches who will ordain elders. The office of elder will be the servants in this era of the church. Christ says that these elders will be, look at verse 34, will be in charge. Furthermore, Christ commands, commands that the elder as the doorkeeper of the house, the church, is to guard the church from false Christs. False prophets, self-promoters who will provide deceiving signs and wonders, going back to verse 22. So please do not miss this. As Christ closes, as Christ closes the Olivet Discourse, this is crucial. Christ is speaking about how the church is to be governed between his ascension and second coming. For Christ 
There is no church in his name without the servants, without the elders. Being, note the words, being in charge, following Christ's command to guard both doctrine and life, and being awake for the coming of Christ's judgment and blessing. These servants, these elders, are commanded to keep the church sanctified and ready for the second coming of Christ. We must not fail to see the vital connection here by our Lord and Savior. The church cannot be ready for the second coming of Christ if it is not a church remaining steadfast and faithful to the truth of the word of God. And to repeat, that means in the areas of doctrine and life. Has not Christ told you already the importance of living solely by the word of God? Is it truly registering on your heart the importance of meditating upon the word of our covenant Lord day and night. Heaven and earth will pass away, but, but, are you listening? Are you listening to Christ? My words will never pass away. Verse 31. So Christ is commanding all of us as his unified body. Stay awake, all of us. Stay awake, verse 37. Are you awake? Or are you sleeping? Let us be a church that is wide awake and keeping faithfully on watch as Christ is instructing in this parable. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his instruction to the church, to the establishment throughout the history of the church of those who he has ordained to be officers. We ask, O oh Lord, that the officers of Christ's church would be true to the word of God, and that we, even here in the midst of our own congregation, 
that we would be those who continue to remain faithful to thy word and that we would be those who often live by thy word. We ask that you would unify us as a body always to be those who live the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, both in doctrine and in life, and that thou would find us faithful and that therefore we are ready. We are ready for the day of Christ's second coming. We are ready for the day of judgment and the day of blessing. We thank thee, O Lord, that there is the promise unto the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be preserved forever in the mighty hand of our Savior. In Christ's name we pray, amen.